Hey friends, you know what I don't miss at all? That vicious week before the period. Feeling like I'm ready to crawl out of my skin, irritated by everything and everyone around me. Bouncing between cravings for salty foods and sweets and back again. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control from Happy Mammoth. Estro Control contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like the chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a menstruating person's life. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like myself again. That's what people mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Happy Mammoth products, including Estro Control. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CORP, C-O-R-P, at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code C-O-R-P for 15% off today. Hey, everybody, it's uh, See It to Be It on Living Corporate, and this is Amy C. Wanninger. I am kicking us off today, which is a little bit weird because usually it's Zach's voice that you hear first. Hey, Zach, how's it going? How you doing? Did you have a great Thanksgiving? You know what? It was uh, restful, restorative, and it was quiet because, um, you know, it wasn't as... There were people people weren't uh, in person this time. We we know we were virtual. We did like a little drive by thing and we waved, but we didn't um we didn't do too much. You know what? That's kind of nice as new parents to not have to do too much. Oh man, let me tell you. This is not a parenting podcast, or at least not a parenting podcast ever so, but man, my wife and I need a break. I hear ya. Yeah, that's tough when you can't get a break and there's nobody to go to and you can't get anybody in. I'm so sorry. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Mm. We're here. We're here. Um, I'm yeah. excited. I'm excited about this episode of See It To Be It today. Like, talk to us about... Me too. Yeah. Talk to us about who we got and what's going on. Yeah. Okay. So, you know one of my things, right? One of my things that I tell people when I'm talking to them in conferences and, you know, corporate whatevers, right? Where I go and talk and tell people what to do. One of the things I say is you know, go to the meeting. That's not for you. Go to the conference. That's not for you. Show up at the thing. That's not for you. Right. Cause that's how you meet people who don't look like you is by going to those things. And I did that. I, and I do it all the time. Cause I'll just go anywhere. You know me, but I signed up for, I'm in national speakers association, of course. And I signed up for a program that was conducted by black NSA, black national speakers association even though, you know, I'm a white, white girl from Southern Indiana. And I was not the only white girl in this uh, course, but it was really awesome because it was, you know, a whole bunch of folks, a whole bunch of, you know, inspirational, motivational, expert speakers from all across the country. And we were all talking about having an abundance mindset and how do we, you know, how do we prepare our minds for the success that we're going to have? Because you can, you'll never outpace your mental model. Right. So if you can't believe it, if you can't imagine it, you'll never get there because you won't take the steps in that direction. And oh my gosh, I met dozens of people in this group that I'm looking forward to sharing with all of you very soon. Um, but one of the people I met, one of the people in my little cohort of, 
you know, accountability partners was Frank Kitchen. And uh, what I love about Frank is even though you can't see it, he does all of his interviews, all of his video interviews from his kitchen. And <laughs> all his marketing stuff is about, you know, serving up what people like to eat and whatever. But uh, Frank's just, he's a great guy. He's uh, super positive, but not in the way that makes you want to stab him. And uh, he's, a, he's just a great human being. And I had a great time talking to him. So I'm looking forward to sharing this one with you. Well, I'm looking forward to what you two cook up as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dad jokes. But first, dad, dad, Zach. But first... Doesn't Tristan have something for us this week? We got to tap in with Tristan for sure. Let's go there. And then after that, we'll get to Frank. All right. What's going on, Living Corporate? It's Tristan. And I want to thank you for tapping back in with me as I provide some tips and advice for professionals. This week, let's talk about what you should always keep in mind when writing your resume. The key to writing an effective resume is to keep your audience in mind. There are two audiences you're creating this document for. The first is the applicant tracking system, and the second is recruiters and hiring managers. When it comes to the applicant tracking system, or ATS, we know that it scans your resume. We often talk about that in the context of having the right keywords, which is incredibly essential. But the first thing you need is a format that can actually be scanned by the ATS. If you use a format that isn't ATS optimized, it may kick you out before human eyes can ever see your resume. Here are a few things to keep in mind when formatting your resume for the ATS. Stick to a one column format, as many of them scan your document from left to right, so two columns can cause a bit of confusion. Ensure your contact information isn't in the header of your document as some systems have issues scanning that area. And ensure you have defined headers so the system can pick up on them. You want to keep in mind a few other things when developing the document for recruiters and hiring managers. In addition to all the formatting stuff we just talked about for the ATS, make your contact information easily accessible. Infuse a small pop of color throughout the document to help it stand out, but don't go overboard. You want to use formatting to help guide the recruiter and hiring manager through your document while scanning, so ensure consistency in your text format. For example, if you bold one job title, you should bold them all. Also, keep your experience in a bullet format rather than a paragraph, as it makes the content easier to digest. Beyond the formatting, when it comes to your resume's content, think about the recruiter or hiring manager that may be reading it, not just what you want to include. When they're reading your resume, they're trying to identify their potential return on investment in you, and you want to showcase that by focusing on things that are relevant to the role. If you include a summary, make sure it doesn't sound too generic, like the resume could be coming from anyone who does this work. Try to rewrite some of your bullet points to move from task-based statements to accomplishment or value-based statements. This will help showcase your potential contributions if they brought you onto the team. When we write resumes, we often write them solely from the perspective of what we want to highlight and how we want it to look. If you take a moment to step outside your perspective and revise your document based on what a recruiter or hiring manager wants to see, you'll more than likely land more interviews. Thanks for tapping in with me this week. This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume, or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn.
Frank, welcome to the show. How are you today? I am doing fantastic, Amy. How are you doing? I am doing well. I am so excited to have you on the show. I love having folks that I know personally, that I've met in other contexts, and don't just know because we're doing the show together. So it's great to have you here. And um, we were talking a little bit before all of this, and I want you to share that in a minute, but you're a keynote speaker. Mm-hmm. And you speak on mindset and how to prepare people for success, correct? Yes. How do you get to that place in your life where you're like, I am the expert on mindset and success, and I'm going to go tell everybody about it? Tell us about your journey. Okay. Well, I, I think the big one is I, I tell people, I, it's almost like an open diary when I'm up, up on stage, but you spend a lot of time talking about your failures. So you're this person talking about success, but you end up talking about your failures and how you made it through those failures. So the, uh, the short version of how I got into what I was doing was um, for years, I spent time as a trainer and I you know, worked in retail and I trained people on how to quote, maximize their potential and hit the sales goals. And, and I got recognized and got awards for it. And then eventually I went back to my college that I graduated from and I was part of like student leadership there and I became an advisor. So now it was my job to teach all these students how to transform their big dream, whether it be a diploma, starting an organization, making a change in the community, how to make that turn into reality. And towards the end of that process, one of my students came to me and goes, Frank, you challenge us to live our dreams. What are you doing to live your dream? And that was amazing. That they used, yeah, they used my words on me and friends with, you know, many of these students and that one student I'm talking about right now. And the big piece was they'd seen me be a part of different associations and do talks and presentations. They know I really enjoy training and they go, well, what are you going to do? Cause they knew I was starting to moonlight on the side as a speaker. So I ended up leaving my college position to go start off as a professional speaker. But the crazy story is I did this in 2007, 2008, which isn't the ideal time to start a business. And I understood the art of speaking, but not the business of speaking. So essentially I I fell on my face. You know, I I got speaking jobs, but I wasn't consistent with it. So then I spent the next several years still getting speeches, but working odds and ends jobs. Because once you leave a really, you know, if it was a uh, secure job to jump to a business, A lot of people aren't really willing to hire you. So I went from like stocking shelves in retail, working at a zoo, scooping up poop behind animals, uh, working in respite care, uh, working at an auction house, working for food service companies. And I kept getting fired or losing jobs. So finally, five years ago, um, it was Father's Day weekend. The job I was working for called me in for a meeting. I thought I was going in for a promotion. I thought I was going in to, you know, get some extra responsibilities given to me and they gave me my walking papers and it's Father's Day weekend. My son is two years old. My wife is seven months pregnant and to make it even worse, we're going to her parents that weekend. (laughs) So now I got to talk to my father-in-law and be like, Hey, yeah, your youngest daughter who's with me, you know, I have no job. She has no job. We have a kid on the way and I got a big dream of being a speaker. So that just, you know, that, that was tough. And that, that was my, my awakening moment that weekend because I'd arranged to speak at a showcase that weekend in their town. And my wife just goes, hey, why don't you take my dad with you? Because he had never seen me speak before. So he came and saw No pressure. Speech. No right? pressure. So yeah, so I've got my father-in-law, I've got my nephew, and they're in the back of the room for the showcase, and which the showcase is to get more speaking work. And the funny thing that happened was at the end of it, uh, we ended up going back to my father-in-law's house, brought a couple other speakers back with me. And we sit in the back end. He's a, he's a finger wagger. So he just wags his finger at me and he goes, hey, Frank, this is what you're born to do. What can I do to support you? And that just completely right, changed my mind because I, I was fearful that whole weekend. And between talking to him and reaching out to all my support group, 
going, well, hey, yeah, you've got this. I realized, you know what? I've been messing up over these years. I'd only been talking about the dream. I hadn't really been trying to live it. Um, I hadn't asked for people's support. I was kind of keeping it quiet and internal. And, and it was just a weird situation. And essentially, once I made that commitment, and I say my last name is Kitchen. So it's like once I got hungry that weekend and we worked together to put together a recipe, my speaking has taken off. And I've been a full-time speaker now for the last almost five years. And essentially everything that I did to get off the ground from that moment is what I teach audiences now. That is amazing. That is amazing. That's a great story. And I want to go back to what you said. You said you tried to start a business in 2008, 2009. Mm -hmm. There was an economic recession. It was not the best time to look for a job or try to start a business. And we're finding ourselves now in 2020 kind of in the same spot where somebody might be looking at this going, you know, I would love to get out there and, you know, I'd like to hang my shingle as a consultant or, you know, maybe I just lost my job because I got furloughed at work and I really want to try something new. And I wanted to ask you, how is the speaking industry changing right now? How is this work changing in the middle of a pandemic? And I'd love it if you would tell the story you told me earlier about, you know, what it's like to be a work from home keynote speaker. Yeah. Um, so the, the way it's changing is I, I tell people, you get to see who the, who the real people are and who the fakers are. So back when we had the 2008, you know, economic crisis, I had friends who were in real estate and different businesses. And you found out the people who just jumped in it for money and didn't have a real passion. And many of those people got weeded out. Same thing happened with speakers. All these people jumped in to speak and they got weeded out. And I realized I wasn't necessarily, you know, weeded out. I still had work coming in then, but it's like, it showed that the people who are truly passionate about it. They kept going but the people who weren't got weeded out. So now as we're going through, there are people like yourself where it's like, okay, you're looking for opportunities or the options versus the other people like, oh my God, the world's over. I can't do it. And I'm just going to end it all. And that's, you know, what's happening now. So even earlier today, I was talking to a mentor and was talking about her daughter loves board games and knows that people are stuck inside of houses. So seeing this as an opportunity is actually starting a board game company where people can order the games and have the games delivered to their homes based off of answering questions as far as family games, you know, number of people, and they've, they've started a business. So that's what's happening here at The Speaking is we have to get creative. So I've been on several phone calls today and everybody's going, hey, Frank, do you offer your programs virtually? Or I've got some, um, you know, programs similar to you where they're self-guided programs where you can watch it on a tablet or your phone and go and do. So now it's just a case of, it's like, it's like a game, literally. You have to just reconfigure, readjust, or once again, because my theme is always on kitchen, it's just too obvious, is okay. If you burn the meal, guess what? People are still hungry. So you have to figure out what to go and do. So right now, guess what? With the way the economy and the world's going, that meal got burnt. So I need to go back to the cupboard right now, see what we have and still put something together. Because when people are hungry, they will still consume it. So right now, it's just a case of, okay, how are people consuming the knowledge that I provide? And I have to adjust or pivot. That's been a big word now, pivot to, you know, what's going on now. I love hearing you say that. I had this exact conversation with someone this morning about what happened. I was I grew up in the information technology space in the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. And every time there was a bust, every time there was, you know, things would get really good for a few months and then they get really bad for a few months. And I would see people leave. And every time I saw somebody leave, I thought that's an opportunity for me because I can learn to do what they were doing. And I mean, when that I, next job comes up, there'd be one of us applying for it instead of two. And it's, it's a mindset that we take because, you know, you say you're talking about mindset, but I think about even back in high school, I got cut from the basketball team, but I hung around as the manager and then I kept my grades like perfect and like, you know, 3.5, whatever grade point. I'm like, well, why are you working so hard? You can't get on the team. I was like, well, guess what? Halfway through the season. And it's, 
you can say it's a poor mindset, I guess, but I go, it's like, hey, you know what? Halfway through the season's grades come up. Someone's going to be ineligible. So the first one up is going to be me because I've hung around. So as you said, looking for that, you know, opportunity. And with these opportunities, you're asking the question earlier, guess what? We're all working from home now. We're doing our pieces right now, but our kids are involved and our kids are watching us. And for me, I'll probably be posting pictures up on social media. My kids have been photobombing, you know, Zoom calls and jumping in. And I, I was fearful for it for a while, just like starting a business. But being transparent and showing this is it, people have actually enjoyed that more because they go, oh, you're teaching about mindset and positivity and how to incorporate everybody. It's, it's good to see your kids. So um, like I shared with you before we jumped on, I did a virtual you know, keynote um, last year, of which now it allows proof that I can do what I'm doing. It gave me a great testimonial. But the picture they use to advertise the keynote is me with my two kids over my shoulders because my kids actually came and crashed, you know, the program. So they're very much in part, this is a family run business. My wife owns part of it. The kids have been to almost every conference. You know, one knows how to jump up and do a mic check. The other one knows how to set the projectors. They're part of this. So their norm is, hey, we're part of it. So to push them to the side is tough. Even though I will say the office door is locked right now because they'd probably crash this. So the door is locked and said, dad's on an interview. Well, there you go. How old are your kids, by the way? I have a four-year-old daughter, Olivia, and I have a seven-year-old son, Elijah. Oh, that's awesome. So I have, I have 17, 11, and four okay. right now. And I get nervous about them coming in. You know, my daughter, you know how four-year-olds are, like they don't want to wear clothes ever. Mm-hmm. And I keep thinking like, she's going to come in and it's going to be a catastrophe. But then I remember that right when this all started, uh, Jimmy Fallon started doing the Tonight Show from his house in his basement. He has his kids all crawling over him and they're covered in spaghetti sauce and whatever. And I'm like, you know what, if he can do it and he's still getting advertisers, I can do it. It's going to yeah, be it, okay. It can. And, and people, um, you know, when I talk on stage, cause people are always shooting for perfection and I show people like, no, I want you to shoot for giving your best because we can always strive to be our best, but there is no perfect, you know, human on the planet. There's never been a perfect human. So why do we shoot for something that we don't have? And to be honest, when people start to show perfection, whether it be the media or just the way our culture is, we try to pull those people down. So when we're more transparent and showing who we are and just trying to be our best selves, of which, okay, well, you and I are parents. This is what we do. Then guess what? People actually are more drawn towards that, more attractive because they're like, hey, they're just like me. So I can understand, as you said, right now we're going, okay, um, got to try to look good on camera, but the kids are over there and oh, my wife's with the kids. She's had them for the last six hours trying to do homeschooling with them. And I've had to pause a, a podcast like, hey, can you pause for a second? I got to go be a dad. And when I come back, they're all laughing going, hey, you know what? Thanks for showing what being a entrepreneur truly is like. Absolutely. And being an entrepreneur during a global pandemic is different than it was six months ago. Mm-hmm. And in six months, it'll be different again because yeah. there'll be some other other normal. So thank you so much for sharing that. I think one of the hallmarks of leadership, of real leadership is being authentic, being transparent, letting people know, hey, look, it isn't perfect, right? And, you know, just kind of showing people warts and all, you know, here's what's going on. But, you know, if your message is positivity and moving forward, you know, people have to be able to connect with that. And you can't connect with somebody who doesn't have flaws, right? Because we all are hyper aware of our own flaws. It is. And I told people, you said, hey, how'd you get into this? And I go, you know what, once that 2008, 2009 happened and started to go through and struggling and trying to find a job, it actually made me better as a speaker because for the longest time I'm telling people how to deal with you know, difficult times, how to work their way through struggles and through barriers. And I had never really gone through anything major like that. But then all of a sudden I go into stage and say, hey, you know what, has anybody here had to ask the bill collector for a job? 
you want to talk about how many people connected afterwards or you, oh my God, I've been in the same situation because the story was I was behind on my bills and I was having issues and I had to actually ask my wife to bail me out, you know, with stuff. And literally the bill collector called me and like, Hey, you know, you're behind on your bills. And I go, yes. I was like, but I was like, I can't, you know, it's like, well, you should get a job. I was like, are you hiring? But that's, that's reality. Yeah. That's amazing. And I like that your, your story arc is, is kind of encapsulates the, you know, how do you get wisdom? You get wisdom from experience. How do you get experience by making mistakes? And, you know, it takes a lot of failed attempts up that mountain before you can tell somebody how to get there successfully. So I'm glad you're out there sharing that. That's the big piece is it's not to push the kids away. You know, if you do want the world to be better for them is you have to teach them, show them, understand what the, what the speaking is about, what's, what's going on. And how do you get through hard times, right? Because if kids think everything's perfect, I'm a big believer in if kids think everything's perfect all the time, then they hit a snag. They're going to think they've done something wrong. And as parents, if we can show them, look, it's not perfect and I'm struggling and, you know, maybe I don't give them the full backstory of the struggle, but they need to know that this is hard for me and I'm working through it and I'm going to have good days. I'm going to have bad days. And, you know, it makes us human to our kids too. And I think that's important. Yeah. And, and, they, and they see it and they're going to understand how to, you know, deal with the difficult times. Cause I love sharing with people. I was like, you know, people listen to our actions more than our words. So they're, they're watching us at all times to see, you know, what we do. And for me, it's always funny to watch them if they get a microphone in front of them or computer technology. So like the other night they've been in the office going, I'm in the office and they're trying to turn the light on here for the backdrop and get the printer going and have their own fake. Cause that's what they see. So they're trying to replicate what they see. Yeah. My daughter will try to do her own podcast and her own webcast from my microphone. You know, she'll put on the headphones yep. and she'll be like, and today we're going to talk about blocks. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, okay, who are you talking to? The people. All right. Yeah. Talk to the people. So mm-hmm. now I'm glad, I'm glad that we're in this together right now. This is awesome. Frank, tell me, you know, the speaking world, we see a lot especially in panels. I know there's like this uh, mantle watch app, right? Where people will post or, you know, kind of track like, you know, if it's all men on stage or if it's all white folks <laughs> on stage. And there's, there seems to be a greater awareness now than there was a few years ago, correct me if I'm wrong, that the people on stage should reflect the people in the audience demographically. But it seems like we've still got a long way to go to get there. And what I wanted to ask you about is where do you go for community as a black man in this industry? Because, you know, we don't see on most stages a whole lot of diversity. It is difficult when you go out because you, you want to see somebody similar to yourself. So as far as the connections quote, you know, just like, tell me, it's like if you go to a party and when you go to the party, the first thing you look around, I used to be a um, diversity director at a college. And I was explaining to people like how it works out when you first go to a party you look around to see if there's anybody you know or can relate with. And then you go to that group and then you start to branch out from there. So when I start to go and speak or if I'm on social media or part of groups or part of associations, you and I are both part of the National Speakers Association, I try to look for people who are, quote, similar to me. And it's not even just a case of, you know, racially similar, but I try to look, you know, you and I are connecting right now, is speakers who are family people because they, they understand how to juggle the family life and business versus a single person or someone who's gotten divorced. So generally what happens is I tell people, I don't complain about, you know, what I don't have. If I can't find it, I got to go create it myself. So when I got into this piece, I'm going, okay, there's not a lot of black speakers. Well, I was like, I know there are some out there. So when I run into them and connect, we'll have that conversation going, hey, let's help each other out. And we've admitted to each other within 
you know, this market is like, hey, there's not a lot of us to support each other. So we could complain about it not being there or we can put it together. So now I've got my own personal small network that I've put together and we can text each other, call each other, and we can talk openly and honestly because we've talked, you know, and I won't share anything here where we go, hey, some of the conversations we're having now, if they made it to the public, we may not actually get work again because we're being so honest with each other. But because we are in this very politically correct, you know, country or society, it's like, oh, it's like, what do you mean by saying that? And, you know, this one I can share, but I said, hey, one of my friends, when I first started out, we were two African-American males working on stage together. That was completely unique. So we would travel around and we had to go to Montana and Wyoming. And guess what? There are not a lot of black people in Montana and Wyoming. And literally we walked into a Walmart and it felt like the whole Walmart stopped because we came in dressed up. We just finished doing a speech and, and everything stopped. And we made the comments like, oh my God, we stopped Walmart. You know, now that comment's not anything bad, but we had a conversation like, wow, it's like, what is it when you go to a place and you're the only two black people in the whole area and people are looking at you and the comment is, you're not from around here. It's not where you from. It's like, you're not from around here. I mean, that's the first comment made and it's not made out of anything being rude or anything like that, but that's just, you know, what happened. And there's only certain people you can have that conversation with to go down and be like, okay, how'd that make you feel? And only certain people who will understand it. So luckily I had Roger there so we could always pull each other. He's like a big brother to me. He's another professional speaker. But at the same point, we started meeting other speakers of color or diversity, or even I connect really well with the female speakers because you go through a lot of the similar pieces. And at some points worse than what I go through as a male, because still as a male, I still have certain advantages over what a woman has. But at the same point, it was like, okay, well, what can we learn from each other? So literally you have to put together your own network, you know, and whether it be you find an association to become a part of, you find a local networking group or you build it yourself. You know, I can reach to you and say, Hey, do you know anybody you think you would connect with me? Amy? you'd probably give me a couple names and then we'd reach out. I mean, so those are just different ways to do is whether you're as a speaker, any type of business, find people who've got a similar background, interest, passion as you and put together, you know, you and I are in a mastermind together. You call it a mastermind, call it a networking group, call it a support group, whatever you want to call it, go ahead, but put it together. That way you've got somebody to bump ideas off of and also just a shoulder to cry on and they can offer you support when times are down. Yeah, absolutely. Because there are times when you want to say, okay, is it me or is it the whole world is really this way and I'm just one piece of, of seeing it. But sometimes you really wonder like, okay, but is it me? <laughs> and yeah. unless you have somebody else who's going, well, if it's you, it's me too. Well, at this point you need people to, you know, within your group to let you understand because as we're talking right now, I could go petition for, you know, or submit a, you know, RFP for a conference to go speak. And they'll come back and think, oh, you were great, but Frank, we decided to go with Amy. Now I might be like, oh man, they don't like me. Her marking must be better. What's going on? And then someone else will talk to me and say, like, hey, Frank, have you looked at their last five years of their conference? They had male, 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 male. This is a female dominated organization. That's why Amy came in. I've had groups that go like, hey, you know what? We haven't had any female speakers lately. We'd like to have a female speaker. We found somebody who meets. Or they may have a certain theme. So the theme may be, you know, blasting into the stars and they find somebody who has a NASA background. They're going to match it. It's nothing personally on me. It's just a case of they sometimes have to find the perfect, as you said, mix or voice. You know, I've got conferences I've gone to where I'm going, hey, I've been to your conference before. I had a school district one time where I was like, my, my wife went to your school district and my sister-in-law works in the district and I've been to your conference before. And they go, well, we picked you over the other speakers because no one's ever been to our conference and you actually know the language because your family is from here. So you know how to speak to our audience. So there's always little things that are going to, you know, put you ahead. And like, even when I got my diversity job, they go, Hey, 
you know what? You're the only African-American candidate who applied for the job. That's one of the things that got you further up the list. You still had to pass the interview process, but that was one of the deals because we're going, okay, we've got a diversity position. How can we have a diversity position but not have any diversity in the application pool? Yeah, absolutely. Now, I wanted to, to touch on something that you, you were talking about because you know, a lot of times we don't know why we get picked for jobs or why we don't, or they choose someone else, or, you know, maybe they, you know, they really wanted us, but then they decided, oh, we're going to pick a whole different theme for this event. There's a lot that goes into this business that Mm -hmm. you have no control over. And so what I wanted to ask you though, about that is, you know, somebody who's listening right now who says, oh man, I love being on stage. So here was my thing. I can't act and I can't sing. But man, I love to be up in front of people. And if I can't act and I can't sing, the only way I'm ever going to be able to do that is speaking. Okay. (laughs) So like, that's just it for me. And every time I would see somebody on stage, I'm like, I want to go do that. And so if you were talking to somebody, talking to a younger Frank Kitchen, who's like looking at you going, man, I want to go do that. Mm -hmm. How can somebody get started? Okay. Well, to, to get started, the, the, the biggest mistake I made early on was I didn't talk to what we talked about earlier, build a network. I didn't talk to my network. It's funny, you know, you and I probably grew up in that generation of Tupperware, Kirby vacuum cleaners, the whatever Ginsu steak knives. And when you go to encyclopedias, because yeah, we're encyclopedias. old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but when you go to all those multi-level marketing groups or like sales, the first thing they say is talk to your family and friends. But for many of us as business owners, we try to go find the people who don't know us, of which, you know, that's a big barrier to entry. So for me, as a younger Frank, if I had to go back and even the people who I coach and teach now is. I go, hey, go for the low-hanging fruit. Who are the people you know? What are the networks or associations you're a part of? Because those people already love you and trust you, and those people can refer. So I've gotten so many referrals for work based off of someone's like stepped their neck out for me because like, oh, I know Frank. I know what he's about. I know that he's got a proven. I know these quality. Boom. And I've gotten phone calls like, hey, it's like we'd like you to come in and speak and present. And I had no videos, no deal, but it's because of a recommendation from somebody. So that, that's the big one is like, if anybody wants to be able to jump on this stage is anybody I coach right now, I say, hey, I want you to write a letter, shoot a video, put a PowerPoint together. I don't know what, whatever works best for you. As I can send it out to everybody in your network saying, hey, I am looking to launch a professional speaking, not a speaking career because speakers don't get paid. Professional speaker, professional speaking career. I would appreciate your assistance or your help. Here's what I speak on. When you see an opportunity, not if, when, when you see an opportunity, please send it my way. And that's all they got to go do. I'm like, how long does it take to go do that text message? And they're amazed at how many people will write back and like, oh my God, we need something. We need, need you. So that, that's the early advice I give to anybody who wants to get into this is just one is you have to announce yourself as a professional speaker. And then two is you need to let your network and the people around you know. And if your network is Facebook or social media, then guess what? I'm on the podcast with you right now. I could take a picture, put this on my Facebook, talking to Amy today about launching my professional speaking career. Someone's going to write up and go like, you're going to be a professional speaker. I mean, whether you're writing a book, you're starting a class, somebody will always write up and goes like, oh, you're starting about that. Tell me more. And even if one person listens to you, that's great. Absolutely true. And I'm sure, you know, I'm a big proponent of building one's network, right? That's Mm -hmm. what my first book was about. It's all about networking beyond bias, networking across differences. And it's interesting that you say that because a lot of us, one, do what you did, which is, well, I want to do this, but I don't really want to tell people because it's a little scary to put it out there and, you know, people might judge me or whatever. And I remember two things happened when I started talking about what I wanted to do. The first was my dad, whom I love dearly and who wants the best for me, said, 
yeah, we had somebody come and speak at our company once and it was a disaster. That was his whole advice on me doing this kind of work was we had that happen once and it was a disaster. I'm like, okay, <laughs> but you're not really my target audience and you know, it's a different thing. But the other thing that happened was someone that I went to high school with was actually on the board for the Society of Association Executives in our state. Okay. And she was connected with all sorts of other people who run conferences, right? Because all these associations have conferences and she's like, yeah, I'll help you. What do you need? And she got me, you know, one of my early paid gigs and she introduced me to some other people and, and it was great, but I never would have known that that was what she did if I hadn't taken the step of making myself vulnerable and saying, Hey guys, I want to do this and I don't know how to start. I need some help. Yeah. And that's all we have to do is be able to ask for help. You know, I tell people to always seek knowledge. But as you said, I've gotten some into associations and groups that I never thought I'd be in, like, because someone just made a referral and they're like, oh, well, Frank, you know what? You can connect with people. You can go do this. And like, I was like, I've never talked in that group or area before. And then you go in and all of a sudden, boom, is there. It's like, oh, well, you got to have him come in over here. I'm like, okay, I'm talking to firefighters. I'm talking to lib- librarians. I'm talking to, you know, the payroll people, you know, for a state. But the case is, if your message really resonates with the groups that you're working towards, of which, like I said, for me, you shared it earlier, is I'm just talking to people like how to maximize their potential and how to transform that personal professional dream to reality. That goes across so many you know, areas. And then I get more targeted. It's like, oh, I work with professional associations. So then it comes in there. So I know exactly what I'm looking for. And as you said, your dad, you go, hey, you know, that's not my ideal thing. Then you know what to say yes to and what to say no to also, because everybody can't be your customer. That's exactly true. And so, Frank, who is your ideal customer? Because they might be listening right now, and I want them to know that they need to call you. Okay, well, let's go into the whole pitch piece. Uh, my name <laughs> is Frank Kitchen. I am the owner of Frank Kitchen Enterprises. I work with professional associations that want their members to maximize their potential and create or produce the tasty results that everybody desires. So that's my little you know, spiel there. I had to put some kitchen spin into it. But essentially, <laughs> it's the case of there's professional associations that are you know, around the country. All of them tend to have either some type of regional, national, state conference. And they tend to want a keynote speaker to open or close it. And for me, when you talk about maximized potential, a lot of times it's leadership. So I come to a lot of conferences. I speak on personal leadership, team leadership, and communication. And I get invited to those groups. So that's my ideal client is professional associations and their members, of which if I happen to go to a professional association right now for, you know, um, court employees. Well, I might go talk to that association for the court employees, but then at the same point, those individual cities or towns may say, hey, will you come and talk with our personal group? And then it goes off from there. So that's why I say professional associations and their members, because the members could be a corporate group, a nonprofit group, you know, smaller areas. So it branches off from there. So I kind of go big with getting all the people into one spot. So I don't have to make a lot of phone calls and emails and then branch off to there to work with all their members. That is awesome. And where can people find you if they want to learn more about your work or how you got started? Well, I invite people to come to my website. It's frankkitchen.com. So I always laugh because people don't know how to spell the word kitchen. So it's Frank, F-R-A-N-K, and then another K, K-I-T-C-H-E, kitchen.com. There's not many of me out there. So if you do the website or on social media, just search for Frank Kitchen. And you'll find me, if you happen to see a picture of Michelle Rodriguez with a beard on, there's some movie made years ago about a hitman and Michelle Rodriguez is a starring character and she's got this beard and stuff like that. I haven't seen the movie. If you see that one, that's not me. 
So Frank Kitchen, the guy with the shiny bald head, not Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> Fair enough. Frank, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to our audience today. I always enjoy our conversations. I love masterminding with you. I think it's just, it's such a blessing to have found the group that we're both a part of uh, with Black NSA. And I do want to give a shout out real quick to Black NSA. There's a, within National Speakers Association, where we're both a member, there are affinity groups. And so there's NSA for Gen X and Gen Y. There's NSA for the LGBTQ community. There are power women of NSA and there's black NSA. And what I love about all of these affinity groups is that you don't have to identify with them to be a part of them. And I have felt so welcomed and so supported in black NSA since I joined and started getting more involved. But just the quality of conversation and the depth of the conversation that happens in that group is right. truly outstanding. And I want to thank you just on a personal note for being a part of that and for making me feel so welcome there. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Like, I always enjoy your feedback. You reached out to me like, you know, day one when we saw each other and, you know, we got a chance now to talk. But, you know, even my wife, for people who are listening, like, oh, Black NSA, can I be a part? Like you said, you don't have to identify as anything. But the first time I ever went to a Black NSA meeting was at, you know, one of their conferences years ago. And then when my wife started to see, you know, the Zoom with all the different pieces on there, you know, she um, comes from a Hispanic background. But when she saw the picture, she's like, I thought you said it was Black NSA. She's like, I don't see all Black faces on the screen. I go, well, that's the beauty of it. It's like, that's the group who's organized this and bring it together. But the idea is like, let's get the best resources to help everybody. So once again, it's like you said, um, you don't have to be tied into that one group. That's just the name and the title. But the ultimate mission, when we said about building this network is with that mission, that one is like, hey, we're going to go ahead and help everybody grow their speaking career. So everybody listening here to your podcast or watching, that's the case. Find the group that's going to invest in you to help you grow. And invest back. Because if you show up, if you show up empty-handed, right? It's like like your mom taught you, to, like, don't go to your friend's house empty-handed, right? You yeah. show up for dinner, you take something. You take bread or you take wine or you take something. And I feel like that's the case too with these groups is, you know, when you show up, have something to offer or, you know, at the very least, just absorb as much as you can and then just start to reflect back. Exactly. Because it, it makes such a difference in, in how you received. And I always tell folks who are not members of underrepresented groups in their professions, go to the group that's not for you, sit in the back and listen. Yeah. And if somebody says, hey, what are you doing here? Just say, hey, I'm here to listen and learn. And that's all you have to say. The less you say, the better. Yeah. <laughs> and you will be amazed what you'll learn, what you'll take away and the relationships you'll build with that. So I just want to thank you for letting me live my values, but also for just making me feel so incredibly welcome there. You are more than welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Frank. And um, I hope folks will find you through this episode and uh, looking forward to collaborating with you on things in the future. Thanks so much. We will be doing that. Thank you so much. Amy, that was a dope conversation. Yeah. Isn't he great? He is great. Let me ask you something. If there was like one thing you would hope that listeners took away from that discussion, what would it be? So here's what I loved about Frank, right? He's like not having the best time in his life. And he just says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go be a motivational speaker. And you would think, right? You would think that that would probably not be your next step if you're kind of, you know, hitting, bottoming out, right? In your, in your current career. But what I love about him is he he had this vision for what he wanted to do. He knew he was going to be good at it. He knew it was exactly where he needed to be. And even though like not everybody believed in him, right? He showed them that this is who he was. This is who he was born to be. And they got on board pretty quick. 
And, you know, it just, he is a perfect testament to this notion that you can only pack away who you are for so long before you have to bring yourself out into the world. And I just, I love that he's out here doing what he does well, that he is having the kind of impact, you know, on his audiences that he's having. And, you know, frankly, that he was willing to share his story with us. Listen, I appreciate it. I'm always inspired by folks who can see the positive. And to your point, and not like this cheesy way, but like really push to like activate purpose. Like that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's really lost, frankly, like in our generation of kind of like instantaneous success. We kind of want everything to happen like very fast or instantaneously. And um, there's something to be said about like having a vision, having a mental model. Uh, where you can envision yourself doing well and then like making steps to actualize that vision. That's all like really, 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 really good stuff. Yeah. And I think it's important too to realize sometimes we're failing because we're in the wrong spot, not because we're in the wrong person. That's a bar. I see you. I see you over here dropping knowledge. Mm-hmm. In the wrong spot, not in the wrong person. Mm-hmm. Hey, yo, that's... Amy, you know, every, you know, you surprise me from time to time, really. Like every now and then, because I'm like, you know, Amy's a dope person. Every now and then, you kind of show me a little something. I'm like, what is that? That's that's yeah. fire. Thank you. Did you just make yeah. that up off? The, did you make that up off the top of the dome? Yeah. That's fire. Right. <laughs> you should see me on stage. I go for it. It's great. Oh no! Well, your pictures <laughs> let me know that you're killing it. So I'm killing it. Yeah, for killing sure. Killing it out here. So, Amy, like, we talk about this every week, but like. How can folks support Living Corporate? You know, it's important. If you like this show, you need to support it. You need to let us know you're out there. And more importantly, you need to let the platforms that we're on know that you're listening. Because the more you show us the love on their platform, the more they're going to promote our shows. So what you need to do is you need to go to whatever app you're streaming this or downloading it or, you know, beaming it into your brain and give us a five-star rating. And leave a review. Just a couple words is great. Leave a review. Tell us what a great job we're doing or tell us what, who you'd like to see on the show even. That would be great. And, um, you know, the more you engage on the platform, the better supported, the better able we are to bring you this content every week. I mean, you heard it. You heard what Amy said. You know, I didn't have to say it. Amy said it. I agree. The share button works too, doesn't it, Zach? You can share this thing on any on anywhere. What are all the places that the kids are sharing the things these days, Zach? I don't know. The TikToks, the Snapchats, right? The Zangas. I, yeah, I quit at Twitter. Twitter's like the last thing I'm going to do. Yeah, man. You know, it's it's a lot of content out here. And, and then everything looks like everything else. LinkedIn looks like Twitter looks like Instagram. I don't know. It's just a lot going on with these stories and fleets and sleets. <laughs> I thought fleet was a new slang. I didn't know what it was. I had to look it up. I'm I'm old. Fleek is an older slang. And then So fleet, you used to be on fleek and now you're on fleet? And now you're fleeting. Oh. You're fleeting I that, and fleeting. I think that will be fleeting, I have to tell you. You think so? I'm just not impressed with the whole stories kind of uh you know vibe. What? It, here's the thing. If the black people do it, it'll stay. Well that's true. You know so what I'm I saying? guess oh so okay so we got a platform we're talking to 
to black folks. Yes. I'm going to ask all of you to stop doing new things because I can't keep up. <laughs> Take some pity on this old woman. Stop doing new things. Stop doing new things. <laughs> like go revive some. Go back to like MySpace or something. No. Something I understand. That's the, funny, that's the funniest thing. Stop making new things cool, black that's people. That's so, so funny. <laughs> wow. That's great. That's really funny. But it's true. I mean, we're the trendsetters. We literally, we just make everything dope. And you're right. I mean, we'll just have to see. Like, but when you when you talk about tech adoption, what did Dwight say on the office? He was like, we well, got to get the black people to do it and then the white people to do it and then get the black people to stop doing it. <laughs> <laughs> when he said it was the episode... <laughs> That's kind of how it goes. And I think that I think that's why all the platforms get abandoned, right? Because like, you know, they get started and then, you know, all all my people come on and ruin it and y'all go somewhere else. It's facts. It's <laughs> Sorry true. about that. That's Sorry about ruining all the good stuff. It's true. It's true. We'll be like, this is fire. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, here comes somebody trying to take our thing and they use it wrong. We go, all right, now to the next thing. And we just and we just leave. It's like it's like <laughs> the opposite of white flight. It's it's <laughs> It's, it's reverse colonization. It's reverse colon. We just leave. It's like, okay, that's you, you, y'all. I'm done. Y'all can have it. Go ahead. Have a blast. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Man, we stumbled into that. That was very funny. I we did. That was fun. That was fun. Okay, catch y'all next time, y'all. Have a good one. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.